Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's vi.com. And here we go. My opponent is against oil, guns, and God. I am the Democratic Party right now. 47 years, you've done nothing. Everything Americans value hangs in the balance. We have an obligation under the Constitution to use every arrow in our quiver. This is the most important election in the history of our country. I believe that. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited because it's episode number 30 of Devious Motives. And why am I excited? Because we have done 30 episodes in 30 days. And because we got started early, we're going to go into overtime for the election. I don't know what the results are going to be. Don't really care. No, I do care. I'm just kidding. But we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going with devious motives until there is a, a date certain reaction and response from whoever it is that wins this thing. So we're going to keep on uh, on cranking. This is interesting, though. As much as we watch these rallies, like I'm seeing Biden in Pennsylvania, I'm seeing Trump all over Michigan. Guess who is suddenly back in the mix? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Buttigieg is starting to make a racket out there. He's starting to make noise. He's got a book called Trust America's Best Chance by Peter Paul Montgomery Buttigieg. No, anyways. Um, it, it's, it's incredible that these folks are starting to come out of the woodwork. It felt to me 10 days ago. Sorry, I mean to hit the mic. Uh, it felt to me 10 days ago that Biden was feeling pretty good about stuff. And then something happened. Something happened. Maybe not 10, maybe 14 days ago. You know what it feels like happened? He had that second debate with Trump, and he expected Trump to be off the leash. He did. I think he went in there and said, okay, Trump went, you know, bat guano crazy. I'm trying to be like, you know, ecumenical because of the whole position we are in. As a uh, as a show, I don't want to offend anybody, but it felt like Trump Trump was going to come back out and be like off the rails, uncontrolled, all that sort of stuff. He came out for business like he came out working like a guy doing a job against Vice President Biden at that last debate. And what did you have? You had a huge separation between. The first debate, then you had, what did we have, like uh, two, two and a half weeks until the VP debate. That second debate was canceled. 
You ended up with a couple of town halls, and then you ended up with um, that third debate. And it feels to me like that separation was enough for Trump to say, you know what? I can redefine my campaign. I can do this. It's not a problem. I'm not worried. I'm not scared. I'm not freaked out by any of this. And so when Biden has his gaffe on fracking, which it was, I mean, let, let's just be clear. I'm man enough to admit, and I'm honest enough to admit that Trump had a suboptimal performance back in that first debate. If, if I'm willing to admit that he had a suboptimal performance in that first debate, I have to acknowledge that Biden did not do himself any favors with the fracking, with the shutting down of energy, with all that sort of stuff that he has talked about. And by the way, Barack Obama is on the trail for him, co-signing all these um, radical environmental sort of positions. So uh, it, th this is completely self-inflicted by Biden. In addition, the fact that Trump decides to run an up-tempo offense, you could say a West Coast offense if you're an NFL fan, but if, if you can say that Trump is going up-tempo, what is Biden-Harris doing? You sent Kamala Harris to Texas this week? For what? Okay, you got some votes in Harris County in Houston. You got some votes in Travis County. You got some votes in Dallas. You got a few in El Paso. But overwhelmingly, that is Trump country. It would be like uh, President Trump deciding, you know what I'm feeling? I'm feeling Seattle. I'm feeling Seattle. I'm feeling like we're going to Seattle. We're going to go run. We're going to kick some butt in Seattle. Bad look. Bad look. I know there was video earlier on Sunday today when I'm recording this podcast that uh, showed Kamala Harris's uh, campaign bus being surrounded by Trump supporters. And there, there was even a rap video that was released as part of this that kept describing it as welcome to the Red Kingdom, the Red Kingdom, the Red Kingdom. I mean, I, I don't know that that's overblown hype. But why would you go waste your energy over there? Because right now you've now got a situation on your hands where the president apparently is ahead by seven in Iowa last week, uh, morning schmo and the pool boy, uh, were sitting there saying, Oh, Jody Ernst, uh, trouble, uh, problems. What president Trump has done in the last couple of weeks of this campaign has been remarkable for a number of reasons. Number one, he gets COVID comes back from it. There's not even a whisper that he didn't have it. There is not even a whisper, uh, a sense that he didn't have the COVID, that it's a stunt, that it's a ploy, that it's a play. None of that is out there. Why do you think that is? Because he had COVID. And you have these huge prayer vigils together around the country talking about Trump and wanting him to come back from COVID. So what, what, is, what does this mean? Well, it means a number of things. One, Trump's not dead until he's dead. Can we be honest here for a second? In a lot of ways, Trump feels like the Terminator. In a lot of ways, Joe Biden feels like the Terminated. And can we be even more honest for a second? Why are Kamala and Joe campaigning in separate locations? It's like he's in WITSEC, the Witness Protection Program. She should be with him in Pennsylvania co-signing fracking. That's crazy. I get it. 
They can't be in the same place because of the COVID. They can't be in the same place because of the illnesses. They can't. Yes, you can. You can be on opposite sides of the stage. She should be with him. There ought to be a closing argument that has her on the stage with him. Why is she not anywhere near him? Because I'm going to tell you what Kamala Harris is doing. Did I say Kamala? 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 I just want to cover all my bases. The reason is Kamala Harris is doing something that is not Biden. She's out making, I think, uh, I think you're going to see a Netflix or an Amazon Prime series that's going to come out. I just watched Joe Biden in Pennsylvania at uh, uh, text PA to 30330, Battle for the Soul of the Nation. He's now yelling into a microphone with his mask at his chin. He's now rocking the house. He's by himself. It feels desperate. And now he put his double, triple masking on, grabbed his notebook and walked off the stage. It's just to, to, to me to have him stand there and yell out, we choose hope over fear, unity over division and truth over lies. Those are huge, big issues you can talk about. But you know what it isn't? It's not jobs. It's not safety. It's not money in your pocket. It's not your kids back in school. That's a problem. It's a big problem. So let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back to earlier on Sunday and let's look or listen to some of the action that's going out there around the country as we move from Sunday into Monday and we have some stuff. By the way, a long form riff on China straight ahead. I do believe more than I've believed before that China has tweaked the virus and what we're seeing is not a resurgence, but an insurgence. What we're seeing is not a resurgence of the, the virus, but I think we're getting a whole new phase of it, courtesy of the PRC. Details on that straight ahead. We are challenging China on a number of things, including, of course, the hydrogen fight, number of different things. I know this is a lot of stuff to keep track of. Just stick with me, folks. Stick with me. I think you're going to understand. So let's go first up to this. Number one, Kevin McCarthy, the man who wants to take over for Nancy Pelosi, appearing on some of the Sunday shows, saying the enthusiasm, enthusiasm, enthusiasm is with Trump. Get a listen to Kevin McCarthy. Go. If you look at Arizona, Wisconsin, Ohio and Georgia, the president has a better position than he did four years ago. How so, Kevin? Explain it to us here at home. You no, know, Maria, I went to 33 cities just last month, and some of that was with the president in different parts of the country, from Miami to Arizona. And I just see the enthusiasm. And that's what we're not seeing on the Biden side. These crowds of 25,000, 50,000. And what you're finding, if you check these early votes, the cl what has closed in the last few days is amazing. If you take the most of the b battleground states, the president is in a stronger position than he was in 2016. Issue number two, big tech. Big tech has got their thumb on the scale. Big tech wants to service in the best possible way, give a happy ending to Xi Jinping and maybe Joe Biden. Here is uh, uh, just a couple of the great unwashed, a couple of the folks who are out there on the campaign trail. Um, watching uh, President Trump. They were getting ready for Trump's rally in Michigan. Here's what they have to say about the current state of affairs as it relates to social media. I look at it, and this is going to be pretty bold, but I look at it as like a modern-day book burning. You know, it's kind of scary. We're in this time where people are kind of blind to it, 
and history repeats itself, and that's exactly what we're experiencing right now. Exactly. We see it. See I get my post taken down. I get back texts for stuff that is so stupid and not even true, you know? And not to mention all the statues being taken down with history. I mean, you can't erase history, good or bad, if you agree with it or not. I mean, you can't erase it because it's going to repeat itself later on. Learn from it. Don't, don't erase it. You yep. need to learn from it. A lot of lessons need to be learned as a result of what it is that's happening in our country. A lot of lessons. Here is President Trump comparing the current condition to what's taken place in Venezuela. Remember, uh, just over the weekend, you saw video dropping across social media involving uh, Maduro, the heir to Hugo Chavez, sitting there and saying, I'm looking forward to shaking the hand or I have shaken the hand of Comrade Biden. Comrade Really? Here is a, a little taste from the president on Venezuela. 20 years ago, Venezuela was a strong country. It was one of the richest countries. Today, they have no water. They have no food. They have no medicine. They have nothing. This is the same ideology that you're seeing trying to come in. We can't let it happen. All right. So that's a taste of some of the stuff that's going on out there. That's a taste of what it is that is happening out there. But it's not just about the presidency. It's also about the Senate races, the down-ballot stuff. I've been watching a lot of action out here, including uh, what's coming uh, here in Hickory, North Carolina, where the president's going to uh, be speaking to his fans. But check this clip out. This is Lindsey Graham, and I think he does a masterful job laying out the broader vision for the fight in front of us. The momentum is real, and let me tell you why, for Trump and me. Uh, Judge Barrett, when I mention Amy Barrett's name, it gets a louder applause than Trump or Graham. She's a twofer. She excites the base, and 51% of the people who watch the hearings approve of her. 33% GDP growth uh, right before the election is huge for President Trump. People see hope after the virus. The other thing is the war being declared uh, by Biden on oil and gas was maybe the biggest political mistake in a debate in modern history where Joe Biden says we're going to go out of the oil and gas business making us energy dependent. And I hear Hunter Biden a lot. People are beginning to reassess the whole Biden uh, campaign. The Hunter Biden corruption is penetrating with independence. And finally, Donald Trump is working his butt off. These rallies are making a difference. Keep it up, Mr. President. The momentum is with Republicans. It's with Trump. I have no doubt that Senator Lindsey Graham is correct uh, about the momentum. You can feel the momentum has shifted. You can feel that it has moved. You can feel a number of things, but there's something else much more serious out there right now. And I want to share this with you because I think it's hugely important. And um, it, it's, it's not even political per se, but it has political implications. While the president is holding five rallies in key battleground states today, as Joe Biden focuses on Pennsylvania, um, there's something else happening right now. The University of Texas at Austin has a report out today that says a study involving more than 5,000 COVID-19 patients in Houston finds that the virus that causes the disease is accumulating genetic mutations, one of which may have made it more contagious. You're seeing the spike. You're seeing the numbers that are out there. These are significant numbers that you're seeing out there in the press about the explosion of COVID cases. So let's dive a little bit deeper here, because I do believe I am correct when I say this. So 
5,000 COVID-19 patients in Houston. They're finding the virus that causes the disease is accumulating genetic mutations, one of which may may have made it more contagious. According to the study published in the journal M-Bio, that mutation is called D614G, located in the spike protein that pries open our cells for viral entry. It's the largest peer-reviewed study of SARS-CoV-2 genome sequences in one metropolitan region of the U.S. to date. The paper shows the virus is mutating due to a combination of neutral drift, which means random genetic changes that don't help or hurt the virus, and pressure from our, our immune systems. That's according to Ilya Finkelstein, an associate professor of molecular biosciences at the University of Texas, Austin. The study was carried out by scientists at Houston, uh, Houston Methodist Hospital, UT Austin, and elsewhere. During the initial wave of the pandemic, 71% of the novel coronavirus identified in patients in Houston had this mutation. When the second wave of the outbreak hit, During the summer, the variant jumped to 99.9% prevalence. A study published in July based on more than 28,000 genome sequences found that variants carrying that mutation became globally dominant as the form of SARS-CoV-2 in about a month. So why did strains containing this mutation outcompete those that didn't do it? It may be more contagious. A study of more than 25,000 genome sequences in the UK found the viruses with the mutation tended to transmit slightly faster than those without it and caused larger clusters of infections. This is a second run. I don't think this is the second phase. I don't think this is any of that, folks. I believe this is a specially crafted second wave that we're getting. I think we're going to find that out. And I think the scientists trust the science, all that stuff are are going to be looking the other way because they're afraid that if America gets mad enough, we're going to hold China to account for what has happened. One country has created this. One country has engineered this. One country has not been held to account for this. China. Now, I understand Joe Biden and Hunter his family, his brother, the rest of them, they have an affinity for China. China is not our friend. Let me say it again. China is not our friend. And so, as a consequence, I think it's important to remember what it is we're dealing with. Now, that's issue number one, and it's a big issue. Issue number two is something even bigger. It's this. You have a situation now where Axios and Jonathan Swan, Johnny Swan from Australia, says Trump's plan to declare premature victory. He's got the piece over at Skype uh, over at uh, um, uh, Axios right now that even if the Electoral College outcome still hinges on large numbers of uncounted votes in states like Pennsylvania, President Trump is going to claim victory ahead of the Tuesday night shutdown. Behind the scenes, Trump has privately talked through this scenario in some detail in the last few weeks, describing plans to walk up to a podium on election night and declare that he has won. 
For this to happen, as allies expect, he would have to either win or have commanding leads in Ohio, Florida, North Carolina, Texas, Iowa, Arizona, and Georgia. That's that clip I just played for you. Why it matters, Trump's team is preparing to falsely claim that mail-in ballots counted after November 3rd, a legitimate count expected to favor Democrats, are evidence of election fraud. Many prognosticators say that on election night, Trump will likely appear ahead in Pennsylvania, though the state's final outcome could change substantially as mail-in ballots are counted over the following days. See, this, this was the intention the entire time, folks. You have a situation on the ground now where you have um, folks who want to claim victory based on soon-to-come votes. I don't know in the history of the United States anytime we've done this. Seriously. I don't know where this comes from. What they're saying, according to Johnny Swan at Axios, asked for comment. Trump's campaign communication director, Tim Murtaugh, has said this is nothing but people trying to create a doubt about a Trump victory. Uh, Mail-in ballots counted after Election Day as set forth in state-by-state rules are as legitimate as in-person votes recorded November 3rd, according to Johnny Swan. Night of counts may be deceptive. It could be days, if not weeks, before we knew who won Pennsylvania. If it's a close race, it could also be true for other states, given the record numbers of Americans who voted by mail this year. The Pennsylvania Secretary of State, Kathy Brockvar, said on NBC's Press the Meat today that there could be 10 times as many mail-in ballots this year than 2016. So yes, it'll take longer to count. All of these things are excuses, folks. They're, they're excuses. We are sitting in a situation where China is preparing to take advantage of our chaos. In fact, I, I read something earlier today that was shocking. I read something today by a, um, a professor from uh, Claremont College there in California, and he says essentially all the doubt being sown in the American election is going to benefit Donald Trump. Wait a minute. I said to myself, hold on. Hold on one second. What are you talking about? What do you mean the, the, the issue uh, uh, is going to benefit Donald Trump? Trump's election gift to China. And what they're saying is that China can exploit our circumstances and situation and claim that, well, our elections were not sound. They were not free. They were not fair. And they can then try to create a situation wherein we have a potential civil war brewing in the United States. There is no civil war coming. Let me say it again. There's no civil war coming. The American people setting aside the Antifada, setting aside BLM, setting aside shut down DC and the folks that want to take to the streets and threaten and harm individuals, they are not going to get to call the tune. The tune is going to be called by the American people who understand the game that is being played, number one. Number two, the tune is going to be called by voters who went out and voted and took a stand. If you look at the current situation and circumstances as it relates to uh, the division in our country, you can only conclude one thing in all seriousness, and it's this. There's a lot more enthusiasm for one candidate than the other. Now, you can draw your conclusion. 
You can say you know what that means. I don't know what it means. But it does seem to me that there's greater enthusiasm on one side of the ledger than on the other. If the president comes out and claims victory, and then all of a sudden you have a bunch of ballots showing up, why were you not able to secure those ballots prior to the November 3rd deadline? Anybody have any ideas? Why is it? And I'm not saying they're illegitimate, but what I'm saying is, why couldn't you secure those votes beforehand? In North Carolina, uh, a place that I am uh, broadcasting from or adjacently to, you have a situation on your hands where they get to count ballots submitted as late as November the 9th. See, if folks wanted to make the election day November the 9th, they could have done that. But that's not the case. The election deadline is November the 3rd. And if you didn't know it was time to vote or you decided you're going to cram it in at two o'clock in the morning on November 3rd, your vote shouldn't count because you're voting after the deadline. Sorry. We're living in a modern environment. We're living in a modern world. And when you look at the challenges we're facing, whether it's from China, whether it's from Russia or Russia and China teaming up together in an effort to try to take down the United States from our position in the world you got to start asking questions. Now, listen, this is an important point that I cannot stress enough. My intent was to do 30 episodes in 30 days, tracking the here and there, the up and down, the different, you know, maneuvering that was taking place during the election. And at the end of the day, having started this 30 days ago, I did a show every single day, and I look back across this time horizon. I'm back where we started, when you think about where we are now. And where we are is a place that's got questions. Big questions. Here's one for you. Whatever happened to the Durham investigation? Whatever happened to Struck and Page? Whatever happened to those folks who decided to use the Federal Bureau of Investigation uh, as their own personal influence peddling machine who went out to weirdos like Glenn Simpson and Christopher Steele and gave them equal voices as it related to um, deposing an elected president, stopping that president elect from coming to power or any of that sort of stuff. Aren't you sick and tired of, of these reprobates, deviants, weirdos, and also-rans determining what the direction of your country is. As I watched the president of the United States on Sunday in Washington, Michigan, I, I watched as the derisive media viewed the people who had come together wearing their MAGA masks, wearing their hats, wearing their sweatshirts in a driving snowstorm, in a frozen tundra. And I watched them stand there and I watched them mock, whether directly or implicitly, these simple rubes who had come out to believe the president would actually fight for them. This president has. Can we be honest? I'm going to go back to the original point I began to make in the beginning of this episode. And that's this. With a 33% GDP number, that you had come out after a substantially lower number that was minus 40 or whatever it was 
and you have the same president pulling that off, is is it fair to say that the only answer is to raise taxes and stick it to the rich, do climate change and a hundred trillion dollars in remaking of our economy, all those sorts of things? Or is a better way forward going back to what worked provably in the last eight months? I think back often to my trip to North Carolina from California. I was behind the blue curtain. I was a guy who suffered the ravages of the demented notions of people like Gavin Newsom and Garcetti and the rest of them. I, I sat there and I thought to myself, there has to be a brighter way. I convinced my family when offered the position at WBT in Charlotte to make the trip with me eastward. We have been here and I can't tell you how important it is to be somebody with children living in America. California is not America. New York and Michigan, by and large, are not America. The places that are controlled, like Washington State and Oregon, are not representative of America. They're representative of places where Gretchen Whitbird in Michigan, Andrew Cuomo in New York, Phil Murphy in New Jersey, Jay Inslee in Washington, Kate Brown there in Oregon, and of course, Gavin Newsom there in California. They're running a fiefdom. They think they are in charge, not just of the government and the levers of government, but of you. You have the power to fire Nancy Pelosi by voting for Republicans. You have the power to fire Adam Schiff by voting for Republicans. You have the power to stop somebody as out of touch with the broader mainstream values of our country, like Kamala Harris is, by voting for Republicans. I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm just telling you the stakes. I'm telling you what matters. I'm telling you the control you have. Millions of people in the state of California sit back and lament that Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. People in states not called California have the power to fire her. People in states not called New York have the power to fire Chuck Schumer from his minority leader status. Think about that as you go to vote. It's not just about Trump or Biden or Pence or Harris. It's about the broader picture. You should think about that. This is going to conclude episode 30 in 30 days of our program, Devious Motives. It will continue tomorrow and beyond and beyond and beyond until we have an outcome. That's my promise to you. Because as somebody who escaped the blue curtain to land on free soil, I owe that much to you. I'm Brett Witterbull. That's going to do it for us. It is Devious Motives, episode 30 of 30 right here back again tomorrow devious motives with brett winterbull monday it's a new episode of all rise the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system when i take the bench i'm taking a vow to fight for justice one case at a time your honor we're going to trial simone misick is judge lola carmichael up on that bench 
Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull. Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at justaskvi. That's vi.com.